0: This podcast is supported by Disney's Wish. Now nominated for two Critics' Choice Awards for Best Animated Feature and Best Song, Gizmodo calls Disney's Wish an animation triumph that illuminates a century of magical animated history and is a bold testament to everyone who makes movie magic through an inspiring fairy tale that speaks to artistry being the true legacy. Disney's Wish for your consideration in all categories, including Best Animated Feature. Hi, and welcome to the Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast. I'm Chris O'Fault, Executive Editor of Craft and Special Projects at IndieWire. And today, my guest is the writer and director of Zone of Interest, Jonathan Glazer. Jonathan's someone who I've wanted to have on this podcast for a long time, but his last film, The Extraordinary Under the Skin, came out all the way back in 2014. And when you hear Jonathan break down his process of conceiving, researching, and making Zone of Interest, it's easy to understand why there was nine years between features. Zone of Interest centers on Auschwitz Commandant Rudolf House and his wife as they strive to build this, I guess, kind of idyllic family life next door to the concentration camp. And we say next door to the concentration camp, there's literally a wall in their back garden, their beautiful back garden, and... concentration camp this wall that separates it and the choices jonathan makes such as deciding to keep the camera only on one side of the wall and the process he established of how he was going to work on this film with cinematographer lucas saul production designer christopher Odie, sound designer johnny byrne and composer mika levy is just extraordinary I i found this to be a really fascinating conversation on a film that i just think is exceptional to me it's the best film of the year and i hope you enjoy I wanted to start with this. There was a brilliant philosopher named Gillian Rose who wrote about Auschwitz. She imagined a film that could make us feel unsafe by showing how we're emotionally and politically closer to the perpetrator culture than we'd like to think. And that might leave us with, and this is a quote, the dry eyes of a deep grief, dry eyes versus sentimental tears. And that's what I'm trying for. It's not cold, but it has to be forensic. I read that not only for a couple of reasons. One is it seems as if Miss Rose's work was a, it was a, an entry point for you and a way of thinking about the film. But I, I read that and it feels like some of these things so much informed a lot of your choices, filmically subsequently. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit. Well, that.
1: Is, that, is interestingly enough? It's the it's it's the other way around. I uh, I came across uh, Gillian Rose's work, uh, that, or certainly those. Uh, Gillian and Jacqueline Rose, the, the, um, I came across their work quite later on. Jacqueline Rose I'd read previously, I'd read, I'd read a couple of her books before. Um, phenomenal book uh, for anybody who might be interested, called Women in Dark Times, which is really something. And Gillian Rose, on the other hand, I came too much later, so I was well into um, the project, well into post-production. Oh, really? <laughs> by the time I, I read it. But what was so interesting about it was that it articulated something for me in a way that I hadn't been able to for myself. So really, that's why the quote is so helpful.
0: Because it's forensic, not cold, mm. you know? Uh, and I, I, in some ways, and I, I don't, I hate doing this, but in some ways, some of the core issue here seems to be identification and point of view and where we are. And, and when I read that, it almost took me back to Under the Skin to a certain degree. Not in the, it seems like it's some of the same, the same issues about where we are in terms of point of view and identification. No,
1: I mean, my, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, uh, I don't. I don't put my mind, my own mind, uh, towards the sort of thematic uh, um, consistency.
0: Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not in, in my stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know
1: what I mean? It's, it's sort of. I, 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 I'm I more mean, talking
0: about the the tackling the issue of point of view in a, in a movie in wrestling with it to a certain Yes,
1: way. well, that's that's interesting. I mean, point of view, you know, is, is certainly for these two films has been critical for me, really. I mean, to try and, well, point of view gives you access into something, gives you perspective. So um, this uh, film was interesting in the fact that I was, the point of view is, is, is my point of view, I guess, of what I've made, but it's, it, the the portraits of the character the portraits that are being that are, uh, you know the actors who are portraying um, these real life people these real people I wasn't interested in getting involved in the screen psychology of those portraits in other words you know when we make a film we use the the tools of filmmaking and the um, to to enable us to kind of analyze or, or try and express get closer to the interiority of a character you know what they're thinking about and obviously we we use all of those uh, um, methods to kind of amplify that. In this context, in this case, it was completely different for me really, which was, it was rather, it was about staying outside of those screen psychologies in order for us to be able to project ourselves onto them. Do you see what I mean? Onto those characters. And so that kind of led me to thinking about how I was gonna film it, the critical distance between myself and the actors portraying these, these people a kind of a retreat almost, uh, uh, so we could watch them sort of almost anthropologically and and watch how they behave. You know, we, we watch how, how they behave, what they do, where they go, what they care about, what moves them. And in doing so, I'm hoping that we, it, it's sort of, is a, it's a pretty grotesque reflection of us, actually, that we're able to see ourselves in them. That I'm just trying to say we're Nazis or that we're capable of um, murder uh, um, but of, of course I'm not saying we're like them in that sense, but we, but when you see what they are like and how step-by-step step they arrive to that place, they are seemingly and kind of frighteningly ordinary. And it's in that ordinariness that we see ourselves. And that's sort of, I wanted to serve that ordinariness somehow in the way that I put the film together. you know what I mean?
0: Even, even that little, I, I read that, I guess it was... Um some testimony from the um, their gardener, but even just that little plot point, yeah. right? Of of yeah. something that I think my mundane little existence, I could imagine a family. You know, we got to move. You know, and it's like, and and, and that that feels like just about a, the right amount of you know mundane story that we can relate to, but not
1: precisely. It's not. It's not. Um, I mean, it's all of us, isn't it? It's yeah. the the things that we want for ourselves, um, and our families. And the security and health and uh, a nice place to live, um, you know, uh, good schools, um, the opportunity to, you know, breathe, to have clean fresh air and go on holiday and do all the things we, we enjoy doing and worked hard for, it's really not dissimilar from from the kind of those same bourgeois aspirations, you know, these were, they didn't think, clearly they didn't think they were doing anything that they shouldn't be doing or if they did they, they they disassociated from it and the film is 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 the, the uh uh the arena of the film is that is is to sort of show that disassociation you know sorry I don't think I answered your question no you did
0: you did you did you know i want to go to the next step here though in the process of shooting because I think everybody can understand what you were just talking about in terms of a certain forensic detachment. Mm -hmm. And there's certain choices here, the lenses and the center framing, and and certainly (laughs) you're a very talented filmmaker. You could do that single camera, (laughs) you know, set up, set up. You went a step further, and I'm wondering if you could, first off, explain how you shot this film, um, which is a very unique kind of surveillance type way, and why that was important. Because like like I said, I think filmically, I think a lot of people could understand why it was important to have that detachment, but this is an unusual approach and way to get there.
1: Well, it's very uh, nice of you to say that you think I could probably achieve the same thing with one camera. I couldn't achieve the same thing with one camera. <laughs> well, no, no,
0: what I meant the detachment, you know, like... A, yeah. it's a,
1: but it's, it's, it's about um, creating a, a space um, where I can somehow retreat from. In other words, all the paraphernalia of filmmaking is not present for the actors. That they're sort of in, they're in real time. Those scenes are being recorded in real time. We're not stopping and moving the camera from position one to position two, and trying to get the actor to kind of get back to the state of mind they were in for take what for position camera position number one and repeat it, because that sort of then then it, then there's so many distractions that come in, so many considerations that take that took would have taken me away from what I was really trying to see which was a sort of an unimpeded existence, that they were just in this house together. Just their daily lives were underway, and we were dropping in. We were looking at them through, through a window, almost.
0: I apologize. Just, just, I don't want to lose Sorry. the listener here. Yeah. I want to make sure I'm, there's roughly 10 cameras set up. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that about how many you had going? We had today?
1: 10 in most scenes, yeah.
0: And um, they're being operated remotely. crew.
1: They are no, no. Lucas's
0: crew. Everybody's off. You're operating, them, yeah. And it, and, and for example, just the interior house scenes. It's, it's the cast. Yes. Even the mics and whatnot. It's like yeah. basically no one's there. No one's there. It's, it's, it's set it's, up. It's, yeah. The filmmaking is a lot more interesting than a reality TV show, but it's, it's essentially a, that. Yeah, we used to talk
1: about it like that as yeah. a sort of big brother in the Nazi house that you were sort of. We were watch. We were we were observing. We were sort of um, sorry when you make a film particularly on the, along this line, this, this subject matter, these, these protagonists. Film, film and the way we make film can very, very easily fetishize, empower them, uh, gl- glamorize, glorify because of what cinema can do, because of what cinema is able to do. And none of those tools were tools that I thought were needed or necessary for this perspective. So, so I had, think they work in the opposite direction. They, they do, want, yeah. they do. So I wanted to kind of take away all of those decisions and all of those um, distractions and simply to somehow conti- watch watch these scenes play out in real time. And by doing so, implicating or, or in it, it immersing the, the, the viewer, myself initially as, as the viewer, into in the same space as them, into the same time as them, to exist in the same real time as them. Everything about this film uh needed to serve the present tense. Everything needed to feel live, not like it was something safely going back to uh, Gillian Rose uh, 80 years before. It wasn't about sort of feeling safe or, or a safe distance from that um, event and thinking we could sort of close the door on it and walk away and in some ways remain intact, politically intact. I, you know, I didn't want to reenact the violence. I didn't want to go near that. And I didn't want to fetishize these these portraits. So I, I, I almost needed to think, I thought of them as if I needed to believe them. I needed to believe that these actors were the people they were portraying. So I needed to believe that to shoot this film. And then the only way I felt I could do that was to set up this system, which me- meant that all of that paraphernalia, all of those conventional choices, all of those tropes of filmmaking that we use were not in play here. So to make it feel like I was recording a documentary, you know, a reality television, I wanted it for me to feel like reality television. So, so there is an effect that happens through that, which is that these situations you're watching are kind of stripped of drama, stripped of glamour, stripped of um, artifice as much as possible so that we can experience um, their their mundane lives, their, the mundanity of their choices, their sort of, you know, the fact that this man can go and kill 10,000 people, come home and have dinner with his kids, you know, without, you know, sweating about it. So I, I, I didn't want to get caught up in drama, I didn't want to get caught up in this sort of the normal conventions of storytelling. You know?
0: And to a certain degree, you're eliminating, you're taking things away from yourself that you can't use. Yeah, <laughs> you're almost tying, you know, and yeah. not, not just tying your hands behind your back to not being able to use some of the tools you normally do, but also it's almost like a mindset of that's not that's not what we're doing here.
1: No, it isn't. Wow. It could it couldn't be for this subject. Not the way I I felt like I I could if I could contribute anything if I could find a corner of this subject that maybe hadn't been investigated, um, and then having read the Martin Amis novel. And sort of, he really did kind of, that was the first spark for me, in the sense that even though the, the film is a million miles from the, from the novel, mm-hmm. it, is, it, is that, it was that kernel, it was that perspective. It was the sort of, the, the courage of that perspective actually, because it's much easier for us to obviously say, that's not us, they're, they're monsters, they're, they're monsters. It's much harder for us to say that that, that, that is us, they're human beings. You know that's something we just don't want to see. We don't want to see ourselves up on that screen, in that in 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 that guise.
0: Is part of this possibly, and I don't want to make too much of it, but um, and it's very difficult with period filmmaking is to feel present tense because you know it feels you know we're in award season. I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of period films. It's it's that time of year, and in and, and beautiful filmmaking, but just the artifice of recreating the yeah. period and and that filmmaking does put. Um, there's an aesthetic to it, but also a I don't know, almost like a filter you're looking through. It feels that this film, even though obviously they're wearing period-accurate costumes and you've, there's a lot of attention to detail here, it feels maybe that sense of needing to be present tense. Uh-huh. Is that is that important to everything?
1: It's the, the critical. The most the sort of set, the axiom of the whole project was to, was to make it present.
0: Why? Because it's got. Is that come back to this idea that? I can connect it to my 2023 life? Is that
1: Yeah, it? yes and, not, and absolutely yes completely yeah. that is what it's about it's about our it's about the ongoing it's about the continuum of this uh, you know this this uh, uh human uh, our capacity as human beings for um, for murder for atrocity.
0: It's scarier that way, right? It feel it, well, no, it's, no, it's scary I don't mean scary like in a horror movie but it's like yeah. it, it's more yeah, frightening I mean, like bone chilling um, to a certain degree. Right? Well,
1: if we if we yes it's it as it should be. Um you know, if it wasn't it would have been a, it would be a failure um, that's what i'm talking about the safe distance safe versus unsafe the safe distance is to see a movie that we say okay that happened 80 years ago that's all that's all happened that's not me my identification is with the victim not with the perpetrator we know that we know that that's a very important thing to show but in this case in this case we are we are looking at us we're looking at the perpetrator square you know square in the eye so and it's not. We can't dismiss it as a film. We can't say I'm safely. I'm watch, I'm safely watching a film. This isn't. This doesn't relate to me. I'm watching people who I could never be. You know. That's I've seen multiple times. I, I've, I I needed. I needed to sort of break open something. And so everything. I mean everything we did served that present tense. Had to.
0: This might sound mundane after someone has seen the film. But it feels and I read some some things that you've said in other interviews, it feels like visiting and, and going to the actual location, seeing the wall like the wall, it's I mean obviously you know there's a wall there, you know, but the, but the, physically being on the other side of the wall, that was it feels like maybe a breakthrough here in terms of maybe, I mean again, after you see the movie, it's obvious over on this, you know, but it's like yeah. that feels as if maybe something that unlocked
1: yes absolutely the wall was the wall is the is the very thing i'm talking about sort of made manifest you know it's 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 compartmentalization it's me, it's it's mental compartmentalization sort of made manifest physically one side is the garden the other side is the death camp you know the same wall it was a very physical experience for me things always for me to kind of make a film it's it's um, it has to it's physical um, so i feel it you know through me and and really, I think then every effort uh, make every effort to try and communicate that feeling,
0: sustain it. I mean, this, you made this film for many years. Yeah. To to, to whenever you shot at twenty one, twenty two, yeah. like To it's, still, it's, it, still have well, that presence.
1: Yeah, it's the. Well, I don't forget the feeling. When when you have a feeling, you don't forget it. You you know how you feel. Mm-hmm. It's so I'm I'm not trying to kind of keep that up in the air like a ball. It's it's more that I've exactly. I've banked that. I understand what that is, and that's the thing I'm trying to communicate. And, and everything has to serve that feeling it's um you know my my wife talks to me about my process in a way better than i can understand but um um and she has said to me that it is like I, it's like i'm chasing a feeling to put the feeling that physical feeling on on screen and the images and the and the film itself is the is the sort of scaffolding that supports that feeling but the feeling itself is actually it's an invisible thing the communication is an invisible one what you're trying to, it's a communication. It's a subconscious communication, the film. you know, In my opinion, that's, well, that's how I think and that's what I've tried to make.
0: Do you, you're you very clear you do one film at a time. Um, and when you started the process of this film, you had obviously finished Under the Skin and a very fruitful collaboration with Johnny Burns in yeah. terms of sound. Yeah. I bring this up in the context of the wall. I mean, obviously sound is going to be how we are present on the other. Yeah. It feels to me like so much of the incredible work that the two of you did in your collaboration that came out of Under the Skin, might have been in the back of your mind as you're starting to have this breakthrough of the wall, right, in that sense of like, what that sound could be, this, this, or is that just kind of obvious that that's how you No, no,
1: it's not, I mean, it's, you know, I've, I've, sound has always been, um, I mean, sound is uh, at least 50% of the experience of any film or should be, if it's used right. it's interpretive in a way that pictures aren't, you know? Mm. So when we hear sounds, I mean, if we stop, what the sounds we're hearing outside this room now, for instance, you know, they're they're, they're complex and and one can interpret them differently. You may have heard that as a drill. I may have heard it as a car backfiring, you know, it's, it becomes an interpretive experience. So I've always thought that was just one of the um, most remarkable tools of, of cinema, actually. Robert Bresson's, you know, use of sound, you know, you, you hear Robert Bresson, people, um, I'm a huge fan of silent film. Um, some of the greatest films ever made are silent films without without shadow of a doubt, in my opinion. But what sound brought to cinema, you know, when sound can be used correctly in cinema, it can, it's an, it's an it's a, it's a, it's a vast canvas, you know, beyond the one that, you're, beyond the, the thing you're seeing. And I think, you know, Johnny and I have worked together for many years and, and, you know, I, Spend every minute of every day in that room with him, um, going through everything and talking about everything we're going to t- try and do, and creating that soundscape with him. You know, absolutely. You know, drip by drip. It's non- none of it's by accident, mm. because I'm so wedded to sound. I understand the power of sound. You know, and Johnny obviously does. So it's a sort of we. That's how we en- we hang out. We enjoy that together. You know, and and I think what we learned from under the skin was that I just simply couldn't accept sounds that were being done, that were being cons- manufactured afterwards in a way that, you know, to do it in an ADR booth or, a, or a, you know, somebody scrunching up a plastic bag for a sound or, you know, putting a hammer through a watermelon for a sound. You know, I can't do that. I have to believe the sounds. I have to, I can, I know that. I have to know the sounds are real in order to kind of deploy them. And so Under the Skin was the first time, I think, that Johnny, because of that, had sort of gone out with his or sent you know with his team and we had recorded sound street sounds field recordings street recordings you know um candidly and then and then I'm sure Johnny's talked talk to you about this and then and then we 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 categorize it all like you would with Russia's bins you do the same with sound bins and we um and we audition those sounds and we understand what those sounds are and where they might fit so it's this 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 enormous undertaking where the sound is is as important as the as the picture edit and as which much time goes into sound, it,
0: which is independent of sound. You, that, I think I understood this correctly in an interview I heard. You cut picture without the sound, right? Which I know isn't uncommon. But the point uh, without, being is, is that it wasn't going to inform it. Where it was
1: without the, this, you mean? You mean you mean without the sounds of the can. Yeah. Yes, yeah. in this context, in this absolutely I did. Yeah, because I, I cut without music. Yeah. Um, music's a crutch you know it, mm. you don't want to bring it into the for me i don't want to bring it into this into the edit room uh until i until i feel the cut works without it to know then what it could be or what what, what it might how hard it need, like, how hard it needs to work rather than it's just supporting something that um to help it work and um so with with this uh with this in this context they weren't it wasn't important for me to hear the sound while I was cutting the film with Paul. Um, because I knew what the sounds were going to be. I knew what we were going to hear. I knew what I knew what we were going to hear, of course. I mean, Johnny was gathering and recording and sending, you know, his great team of um, sound recorders were out in Berlin and all over the place at night, under bridges, you know, um, in subways, you know, ca- ca- capturing real sounds, real people in drunk or, or uh, uh, screaming or shouting or whatever was going on, you know, he would capture all that stuff. So we could be- we knew everything was real. So obviously because these, char- because these characters are so disassociated from what they're doing, mm. um, they don't hear those sounds anymore. They don't. And um, they hear them in the way that they're they're annoying. Mm. They're, they're annoyed by them probably. Like us right now with New yeah, York. Yeah, they're annoyed yeah. by them. They're not, they don't, they'd rather it was nice and quiet out there than they'd rather hear birdsong. Um, so they, you know, if you live by a, a, a railway track, mm-hmm. um, and a, there's a train going past every hour during, through the night, a goods train going past your window, 20 yards away. And you, w- you, you move into that apartment first mm-hmm. night, you can't sleep a wink, you know, a month in, you don't even hear it anymore. Yeah. And it's that, it's that. So I think that when we cut the film, there was no need for the sound because I, because they weren't hearing it. And then once you've cut the film and then you start to, and then you start Working on the sound in in in, in, in with incredible kind of uh, nuance, you um, you begin to sort of see how sound. You can then choose the moments that they may have heard something. You know, there's lots of examples of that in the film, small examples. Um, so you can then calibrate how aware they are. Do you know what I
0: mean? I do absolutely. The where it was going to sit in the mix, how presence it's, you know, because that idea that they did disassociate, right, you know, um, that point at which it's present for the audience and an annoyance for 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 them. Two questions off that. Was that a constant examination of where it's going to sit and how loud and presence? Because mm-hmm. I, I tell you, the first few times, you know, I even when we're rewatching the movie this week i'm leaning in you know that's that is what i thought it was right Yeah. and then and then also that question of um the constants of the sound i imagine those weren't necessarily decisions those are things that you kind of discovered and found along the way
1: well there's absolutely and the sound the sound has um form it's not random it feels it feels like it should feel i mean you know obviously all the reading and all the research and uh, you know the knowledge of it like for instance one small example like um you know no more than 80 yards from that garden was uh, block 11 which was and block 11 was called the execution uh, block and block 11 was where prisoners were taken because they were on some sort of criminal charge i mean you know a kangaroo court obviously um and they would be tried you know and then they would be shot or they'd be tortured and shot or whatever um was being done to people in in those uh in those places but they had Um, there was an average of 60 to 80 uh, gunshots, you know, um, uh, firing squad uh, executions a day, no more than 80 metres from the garden. So Johnny and I then think just in that context, like, okay, do we need to hear 80? Do we need to hear those 80 shots in a day, you know? Um, Should they be peppered through each day? I'm just giving you one layer. And of course, if you do that, you're just suddenly, the gunshots are... What I'm trying to say is, it was perpetual atrocity, mm. perpetual horror, and so the sound had to reflect that, but not to the point that it sort of you just became tired. You can't, of the, numb, you know? the you no, can't numb the audience. You can't numb the audience. You can't numb the audience. You can't
0: numb the audience the way that they've become numb.
1: Precisely. To it. So, so I mean, there's an aspect of that, and that's the line we're on of exactly like at what point do we sort of tune that out as an audience? It's a fascinating uh, place to find oneself with the form of the sound, um, but you know. We had, it was very carefully sculpted. Everything about, everything you hear. I mean, if you close your eyes, you'll hear that Mm, film. Yeah. If you close your eyes, It's almost
0: a whole other, there's almost another movie going on inside. There's almost like a. a, It it totally, it's
1: it's always, you know, I've always, it was always, I mean, from the off, it was, mm. there were two films here. There was the one you see and the one you hear. Mm -hmm. And if you close your eyes, Mm. you'll hear the one, you'll see the one you hear. Do you know what I mean? I do. Um, And so it's a sort of, it's relying—it's reliant on the knowledge that people bring to the film, which is they know, they've heard what happened at Auschwitz, they've heard what happened at, you know, these death camps. Um, they may have read them, they may have seen documentaries about them, they may have seen images at school. They are seared into one's consciousness uh, when one's been exposed to them. And on that basis, i I thought, well, I knew people would understand what those sounds were and what those sounds represented, and those pictures still play, but they play in your mind where they should play. Yeah. It doesn't mean I'm. I'm not going to suddenly reenact it. I'm not going to have skinny extras, you know, in striped uniforms getting beaten, you know, fiction, you know, as a fiction, and then see them in a catering tent twenty minutes later, you know, it, it, having having lunch. It's it, it it was a place I just couldn't go to. I didn't want to go there.
0: I want to slip in this question and. Um i i don't know if it is related or not but i want to uh, the overture and and the Mika's, Mika's yeah. music in the beginning i don't the only reason i say it is there a connection because it does feel to me like you're signaling to us audit you know before we see an image to to listen
1: is first but Here's yeah
0: first, I, I, so i don't i don't want to force a connection there but i'd also just love you to talk about well,
1: that it That's absolutely yeah. that's what we used to say is, is first about that piece of music that it was It needed to. I mean, the music that Mika wrote. You know, you know. A lot of music over. You know, Mika was in the room with me and Paul for, and Johnny really. We we have a little studio in London, and we all work together over the. So it's always in flux. We're we're all together. I'm in here cutting. John is in there doing sound. Mika's upstairs writing the music, and then we share things with each other, and one thing informs the next, and so on. And to begin with, there was music. There was lots of. We tried music that Mika was writing in lots of lots of places in the film and we, we analyzed why it wasn't working and when again and when again and when again. But it was always, you know, it was always competing. It was always sort of saying, not really, you know, whereas what, what Johnny's sounds had to achieve was, this is, was really, was the credit, you know, so you couldn't have two things. They were sort of oil and water together. You know, in other words, if you're, if you're trying to construct something which is, which is, which you, which you have to completely believe in. You don't want the artifice of music to un, undo that. Um, so music sort of ended up sort of moving to the margins of the film. Um, and the opening piece of music is very much for me anyway. I mean, people, music is entirely interpretive. Of course, it's person to person. But for me, you know, the, the beginning music is called entrance and the, and the last piece of music in the film is called exit. So there's a, there's a submersion. And there's a surfacing, and in the middle of the film is this uh, this this what we call the yums, which are these sorts of very insistent, you know, sort of really deep. So this is the cut to
0: red. The, the
1: cut to red, yeah. and, and when you see the girl in the thermal vision and stuff like that, they're, they're like a they're like a they're like these beads, you know, through the thing. So, so yes, you you know you're right. It is it is uh, it's ta- it's a tra- it's transporting. I wanted to take people. I, sorry. I want to take people. I wanted to go. I, I make a film for me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to go. I wanted to go to this place and be and and be transported to this place. And the music gives you an, uh, the first piece of music gives you an emotional experience on the way there. So you've already had an emotional experience before you before the first frame of the film. And in that time, you've been able to settle in your seat, turn your mobile off, you know, put your coat on the chair put your popcorn there well you know you've had that that first 30 40 seconds to just prepare you know just to be in that room but you've still got another three or four minutes to go where you now can realize and you might be listening to that music thinking is there something with the projector when you know there isn't you know it's it's about it's about it's a very intimate it's it's very intimate introduction to a, to a time and a place
0: thank you so much thank uh, you congratulations on, on this film
1: thank you